That's what we exist for. As a community, we exist as people to glorify the name of Jesus. That is the purpose of why we gather. It's to encourage each other to keep growing closer to Jesus. And one of the reasons we did this series, uh, Economy of the Kingdom, is we wanted to reflect uh, in a realistic fashion uh, about our lives. Uh, And the first week, Jazzy opened it up uh, to do with uh, the economy of the kingdom. What are you doing with your time? And really, how are you honouring God with your time? It's a great question. You know, and often I look at the amount of screen time that I'm having on my devices and the amount of time I'm dedicating to God. And the reality being that we want to be honouring God with our time. Amen? Amen. And I know that the next week was Dave. Dave did a brilliant job and his job was about honouring God with your talent. He talked about finding your shape. And I love that. We've all got unique giftings. We've all got unique abilities and are we using them to honour God? And then today uh, I'm going to be talking about it. And I have, to, I have to put this out there from the very beginning uh, that I have been in ministry for 17 years. Uh, I know, which people laugh. I know, how could you do it? Did you start when you were 10? I know, Uh, but that's the reality. Uh, It's been uh, maybe even longer than that because we've been married 17 years. It's 19 years. Next year is 20 years in ministry. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, clap. That's, um, oh, glory to God. How did that happen? I don't know. His grace, his mercy. Uh, It really is, honestly. Um, And I've never spoken into the topic of money. And I'm actually going to preach about it this morning. Now, the reason I've never really felt the need to is because uh, you judge a tree by its fruit. And, and the evidence of the community uh, that we're a part of is our, our people are generous. So I wrestled with it. I even tried to get somebody outside of me to preach on the topic so that I, I, I'm being honest, so I didn't feel I had to. But I felt the Lord say to me, no, Charles, it's, it's a responsibility as the leader of our community because the reality is this, God is interested in you as a person. When we give into the church, it's not to fund the church. You as people are giving to God out of a relationship with him. But money can do funny things to you. Who, who agrees? Money can be, let's be honest, I remember when we first bought our caravan, I had a Ford Falcon. It was a beautiful vehicle. It was white. It was probably the ugliest vehicle ever created, but I loved it. And what happened is we were going on a holiday. Uh, We'd had saved for it and we were off to Queensland. And I find out off my father-in-law that he had to replace the transmission. It's a $4,000 bill. Who knows now at that moment, I didn't like the car as much anymore. Who understands? That car I loved was now a car that every time I looked at it, it stirred something in my heart. It's like, I don't, stupid car. Stupid car. Do you know why? Because it wasn't necessarily the car. It was the fact that I had to put money where I didn't want it to go. I wanted to spend it on my family. I wanted to spend it on other things, but I had to put it into the car. Who knows? Money can mess with your emotions. Who, who agrees? Who agrees? I still remember Jai. We saved and we saved and we saved. And he bought a little telescope thing. And when we unwrapped it and we went to use it, it didn't work. And me and him both looked at that thing we were so excited about with salty faces, a silly rip off of a thing. 
Who's ever bought something that they were disappointed with? It's like, hey, I'm willing to release the money that I have in the hope that this thing will be good. And there's this statement that my father-in-law continues to, to press. He get, you get what you pay for. Because I was a man where it was like, give me the cheap and the big, give me lots of it, give me cheap. I don't want high quality, I want more. You know what I mean? The, the 85-inch TV that lasts six months. Well, it doesn't work well at all. And then you spend five years being frustrated. Or the clothes where you try to talk yourself into buying that pair of pants because of the price. I don't really like the shoes, but I like the price, so maybe I like the shoes. Has anybody ever, has anybody ever been there? Money, money is a funny thing. Money can mess with your emotions. So I want you to relax this morning. This morning is not about guilt. I don't need to know. Today, it's about your relationship with God. Because God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And that's what we're going to look at as we come around the word this morning. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. I remember when I turned 18. I went on my birthday, 9am. I went and got my license. I'd only done eight hours of driving but I was full of confidence maximum experience in confidence minimum experience in driving a vehicle and I got my license by the grace of God I stayed alive to this day don't encourage it drive as much as you can beforehand but I didn't have a vehicle so I went to my nan who had a beautiful red Ford Festiva with no power steering no air conditioning and I drove that bad boy around and it was a cool car. It was like a very hot car. But it was cool to have a vehicle until somebody would ask me, whose car is it? And I couldn't say mine. I, I, I had to say, so I borrowed it off my nan. Great way to be cool. But what happened is I was able to have an experience of using the vehicle because the owner of the vehicle allowed me its use. It was my nan's car but she released it to me and said, you can use it. So I got to drive around because the owner of the vehicle released me to be able to use and enjoy the vehicle. If I haven't captured you with that thought yet, a few Christmases ago, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law built this beautiful house. Uh, he, his background is a tradesman and it's like a nine-star energy rating. Everything in it is unbelievable. And they went away from Christmas. They've got a pool. So they said, would you like to use the house? So I said at the time, I would love to use the house. When we went into the house and I realised how beautiful it was, I spent the whole holiday panicking about my kids breaking the house because I'm like, oh, don't touch that. Don't smear that. I don't know what that does. I felt like the cat was waiting around corners for me. But what happened is I realised that I had to use the property in a manner that honoured the owner of the property. It was not mine. It wasn't mine, but I was allowed to use it. My grandma, it was her vehicle but she allowed me to use what was hers for my benefit. 
with my brother and sister-in-law's house. I got the use of it, but had to treat it in a manner that honoured the owner. When you go to Psalms, there's a scripture there in Psalm 24. David used it last week. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God owns everything, which includes our money. So I repeat, God doesn't need your money. The world and everything in it is his. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. It's not ours. We steward the use of what God has allowed us to use. I repeat, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. So it's a matter of heart. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, 19, 24. And it says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves can break in and steal. Store up your treasures in, in, thanks for participating guys, it's fine. That's not fine. All of you aren't paying attention because you're all holding onto your wallets as tight as you possibly can right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax. I'm going to try and be my normal self. Where moths and rust... Can I get a picture of people's wallets and moths? <laughs> where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is there, your desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. Your eye is, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's a matter of heart. It's a matter of heart. Jesus is interested in this portion of Scripture. We see his teaching. He's interested in treasures and he's giving direction about their location and their storage. That's what he's doing. He's saying, hey, uh, store up treasures in heaven. So when you think about what's a heavenly treasure versus what is a worldly treasure, well, we know that worldly treasures are referring to materialistic things. Cars, houses, clothes, money. They're all good, absolutely, if they're used for God's glory. Heavenly treasures, however, come when the perspective is to honour and glorify God as your priority. So, so a storing up a heavenly treasure, what does that look like? Well, it could be turning the other cheek, loving your enemy, enduring persecution for the name of Jesus, taking up your cross and making sacrifices for the glory of God. One is very temporal. It'll come and it'll go. One is eternal and will last forever. One will potentially rot and rust and it won't be able to be taken with you. One really will determine a reward that is waiting for you for eternity. 
With a better understanding of treasures, we know what it is. It's literally about living a life to glorify God, having a perspective on what it should. The first question I pondered myself was this. Is your hearts with the things of earth or the things of heaven? And if you were to weigh it on a scale, which one do you think about more? Because we know that the definition of treasures is to do with that. But Jesus then says where your treasures are, your heart will be also. We know that God is interested in your heart. Now, when we look at the word heart that's mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned 823 times. It's not referring to the organ. It does a few times, the the actual within you, the beating, but it actually refers to more a description of your complete inner, immaterial self. So your heart can correspond to your mind and your will, your conscience. Your heart can refer to courage, take courage in your heart, your emotions, Your thoughts, your will, that's your heart. The heart is the internal decision-making centre. Do you know, really, you cannot hide your true rationales and your true intentions in the space of your heart. You can't hide it there. There, it's the true self. There, it's the true motive. And there is where God wants to be glorified the most. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And Jesus has brought the link that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is good, isn't it? Listen, if if we've got babies crying in this church, praise the Lord. We're being fruitful. We're multiplying. Hallelujah. God is good. This is a sign that we're growing. Parents, never worry about it. Never worry about it. This is a community church and we're a family together. I'll just talk louder (laughs) if I need to. Jesus is interested in your heart. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart. Oh, you participated more then. Thank you. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart because it's the decision-making, rationale-creating, intention centre. Above all else, guard your heart because from it all things flow. Guard your heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. God is interested in the heart of the believer. It then goes on which I was always confused about in verse 22 and 23 of Matthew 26. He's talking about money. Then all of a sudden he's talking about what looks to be health. And then he goes, you can't serve both God and money. What's the go in the middle? See, in the middle it says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If you go and look at the original language, healthy relates to generosity and unhealthy relates to being stingy. And we can see here that the eye lets in light, that I were a perspective on God and it will produce and thrive. Hey God, it's all yours anyway. I want you to use me. And when it's unhealthy, it's like, God, I want to keep it for myself. A writer named David Gusick says this, being generous brings light into our lives. We are happier and more content when we have God's heart of generosity. 
But if we are not generous, it is as if your whole body is filled with darkness. Our selfish, miserable ways cast darkness over everything that we think and do. What this scripture goes on to say is that generosity is actually linked to spiritual health. And then it goes on to talk about you can't be enslaved to both God and money. You can't, you won't, you'll love one and you'll despise the other. The battle between materialism and generosity and building my kingdom versus building God's kingdom. The battle between being stingy and the battle that keeps you focused on God using what He's given you. I can live for myself and still have a materialistic life. Uh, I can also live for Jesus. I can do all these things. And Jesus says, if you do that, you're living a double life because you can't. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't live for God and be enslaved to money because God does not need your money. He wants your heart. And when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses in Matthew 22, 36 to 38, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God wants your heart. So when we think about a heart of generosity to release, are you generous? Do you know that having things, hear me, is not wrong. It's what you do with them. I remember a few years ago, uh, we were blessed with a person uh, allowing us to go to Phillip Island uh, to use their holiday home, completely free of charge. We never would have been able to do it at the time. They had this house. That was theirs. It would have caused them a drama. They would have had to organise cleaners. They would have had to organise. We would have made a big mess. Walking around trying, don't break that, don't touch that. But not only that, on our arrival, a beautiful letter saying, we just want to encourage you. We're praying God blesses you. And then there was a portion of money in that letter so that we could have an experience while we were there. Is there anything wrong with having a holiday house and giving away things? No, they're using it to honour God and bless people. You can have things. God is looking at your heart. He's interested in what you are doing with the resources that he has given you. Proverbs 11, 24 and 26 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but bless those they bless the one who sells in a time of need. You know, I remember when my kids were young and you'd give them a bag of lollies. Oh, inflation's a thing, isn't it? You know, I felt just for the first time in my life, I'm like, when I was a kid, it was a lot more lollies. Maybe that's what went wrong with me, a lot of lollies. And um, I used to give lollies to my kids and, I like to give them lollies, that was fine, but whatever, what I leaned in on was when a sibling or a friend would come along and say, can I have one of your lollies? Because as a father, I wanted to see my kids be generous. 
And you know what I used to love is the fact that they, they would trust the generosity of their parents. You can have a lolly. You can have a lolly, no problems. There's more where that comes from. I'll just ask my dad for some more lollies. So let's be generous. It wasn't, I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm going to know they're my lollies. And you know, that can happen with children. And you've got to get in and you've got to train into your children generosity. But it's like, hey, what are you doing with what I've given you? I want you to be generous. And really, when you think about it, the greater trust that there is in the Father's generosity towards me, the more freely I'll give away what He's given me because there's more coming. And so are we like that kid that grabs them lollies and holds them tight and doesn't want to be generous because you don't know if you're going to get any more lollies again? And I really like lollies. Or are you going to be that kid that goes, it's okay, I, I, I want to share. I want you to have the same experience I'm having because I know that, that if I need more, I, I trust in the goodness of my Father. It should be the same with us when it comes to our resources and the trust in the generosity of God, our Father. You know, He's looking down on us, looking at the heart. What are they going to do with what I've given them? God doesn't need our money. He wants our heart. Point two, first one, it's a matter of the heart. Point two, it is a matter of priority. Priorities are important. Who agrees? Life goes well when the priorities are good. We struggle when the priorities are out of alignment. The Bible talks about a principle in the Old Testament and the Old Testament is the principle, in the Old Testament, there's a, a principle of first fruits. Now, the way that this would work is that they would give God their first 10% straight off the top to honour God with it. And for me, when I look at that scripture, I begin to see that first fruits the 10% was what they started with. It's a, great, it's a great number to start with. But the principle is first fruits, honour God first. It actually, it takes faith to give first. Because let me give you this example in reality. If we go and we, 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 we get the income that God gives us, we pay our bills, we pay everything we need to pay, we buy the things we need to buy. And then if there is something left over, we offer that to God. That's still good. But first fruits is a principle that, you know what, by faith, I am giving to God first. And now I will use wisdom to budget by faith with what is left over. I am making the decision at the beginning that I will give to God first and I'll use wisdom after that. There's a big difference between giving out of excess. I've got money. It's guaranteed. I'll be fine. I'm going to do that. Rather than going by faith, I will give to you my first fruits. And now I will use wisdom with what is left because I honour God first. It is a matter of priority. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you because God is interested in order. He's interested in the level of our priorities. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 6.33, when you look at the broader context, he, he says that we shouldn't be stressed about uh, the physical well-being, the things we need. That shouldn't be your main focus. 
When you focus on your physical needs, it actually doesn't bear the best fruit. But Jesus goes a step further and he says, I want you to replace your concerns about the physical with a concern for the will and the purpose of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. I'm letting go of the concerns that I have, that God doesn't want me to worry about, the physical material, and I am letting go of that to take a hold of what concerns God. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, really, when you look at that scripture, it's if you live for the material, you'll be more prone to worry about the material. But God doesn't just want to be our number one priority. He wants to be our everything. And that's why we brought around this illustration. My filter is seek first the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I know that my daughter has the app. I'm not going to mention it. But there's this app where you can put a filter on and you instantly got the most elite makeup on your face you've ever had. Or you smile and your smile's huge. Has anybody seen them? Has anybody used the one with all of a sudden you have the biggest lips you've ever had in your life? It's like, me, 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 me. Has anybody ever? It's a filter. So what it is, is the filter alters the perspective of what it frames. So what happens is when you put a filter over something, it alters the perspective of what it frames. This is why we brought a filter. We wanted you to think about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because God doesn't want to be in your priority list. He wants to sit over all of you. So what happens is as we put this filter over the areas of our life, when we look at our relationships, it's through a filter of seek first the kingdom of God. With your relationships, with your family, with your friends, with your colleague, the filter that needs to be over all your relationships is I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and I want to obey the will of God and then all of my relationships are going to go through that filter. With your family, it's the same. With your talents, which we talked about, it's the same. With your talents, if God has given you a skill and an ability and a gifting, we need to remember that the filter needs to be that with all I am and the time that God has given me, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. It's the same with your body. Do you know, we live in a society of extremes where you're either at the gym 24-7 or you're on the couch 24-7. You either want salary stick or a Big Mac, I'm a Big Mac guy myself. But really the filter is, I, I want to be a person who is healthy so that I can serve my family and I can serve you with energy. I, I want to be able to do it as long as I can and as faithfully as I can. So whenever I am trying to do things, it's not so I can look in the mirror and be proud, it's so I can glorify God with my whole life. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness with my body. And absolutely, we need to remember that with our finances, with our money. The first fruits principle, you get an opportunity to show God to live by faith by going, you know what? When my pay comes in, and I can say this, uh, you know, with honesty, since 14 and nine months old, I got my first job at Hungry Jack's. You've all heard this many times. $4 an hour. 
$4 an hour, absolute rip-off. You know, 50% off whoppers. It's pretty good. Up my pay rate with that. But I've never missed a tithe. And every week when we get paid, I yell out or mention to someone, I'm giving with joy. Because the filter of my life will always be that I want to seek first the kingdom of God with all of the areas of my life and that includes my time, my talent and my money. Point three, and I think this one needs to be very clear. It is a cheerful and voluntary matter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 and 7, Paul is encouraging generosity to the Corinthians. And if you want to turn with me there, it says this. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, have all that you need and you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. A willing gift. I still remember when we were building our first house in Bannockburn as a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old and we had to move in with April's parents. And uh, we had to give them a portion of board every week to live there for the six months while the house was being built and being settled. And I still remember the day we went to leave. They had this big grin on their face because all of the money that we had given them, they returned to us as we left. It was the most incredible gift to receive. But what blessed my heart was their willingness and their joy in giving it to us. When it talks about it needs to be a willing gift, not given grudgingly, that's what it means. Let it be willingly. If you're stirred or manipulated, do not give. Because the giving is not to the funding of the programs or whatever it is that you are giving to. You are giving to God. God is the supplier of all our needs. God's the provider of this church. You're not giving to this church to fund this church. God provides for this church. When you give, you're giving to God. It's Him that we seek. And verse 6 begins to talk about the spirit of giving, which is willingness. Do you know, as you can see on the screen here, willingness has nothing to do with the amount and everything to do with the spirit at which you give. Willingness. Then it begins to talk about generosity and sacrifice because I think that they are important to discuss. Because whatever it is, the value isn't determined by the size of the gift. It's the sacrifice the person is making to give it. 
Everybody's on a different scale in this room. I don't know everybody's, but, but your generosity and sacrifice will look different to the person next to you. But that's the scale at which God weighs it. We all know in the Bible the beautiful story in Luke 21 about the widow's offering. It says, And Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now everybody knows the whole widow's mites. Mites was 1% of a denarii. A denarii was one day's wage. So she was giving 2% of a day's wage. The value was not very big. And says, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in much more than all the others. All the people gave their gift out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. You know, I always ponder that gift. One of the things I pondered this week is she had two coins. Two. She didn't keep one. She gave everything. And Jesus is saying, based upon that sacrifice, that's true generosity. Because it wasn't giving out of abundance. It actually cost her something. Generosity and sacrifice is how things are weighed. What does it actually cost you? If we look in the Bible, you can see the opposite end of the scale. We've gone from a widow who's very poor in, in Hebrew culture to now King David. And there's a moment uh, in 2 Samuel 24 where uh, David is asked to buy a field. And to, when he buys a field, he's to set up a place where he can worship God. And he goes to the owner of that field, Arona. And he says, King, you're the king. You don't need to buy the field from me. You can have it. And David says, I will not Make a sacrifice to the Lord that cost me nothing. Because God is interested in the heart and the sacrifice of the gift, never the amount. But what does it cost you? What are you giving up? You know, I think of an example in, in modern day. For me, was when I was a young man, I was at a youth conference. And um, I was just part of the kids there. And they had this day where at the end of it, they, they, did up an, they did an offering. And for some reason, this kid wanders down the front. And at the altar, he places a skateboard and walks away. And one of the pastors that was in the front row, a very wise guy, was super overwhelmed. And he picks the skateboard up and he walks onto the stage. And he says to a bunch of young people, this isn't just a skateboard. This is the young man's identity. He's a skater. And what he's saying with his gift is I'm laying down who I am because I want to live for Jesus. 
And in that moment, it was, it was a moment, a move of God. Do you remember it? And then all of a sudden, people are bringing their CDs, the next offering, and some kid brought a bass guitar, and then the youth pastor got called after by the parents saying, where's my kid's bass guitar? <laughs> it was beautiful because it was young people determining that on the things that I hold most dear, I want to give them to Jesus because I want to live for Him. So then it goes on. We, we, we understand here that willingness is nothing to do with the amount and everything to do with the spirit at which you give. Sacrifice and generosity. It wasn't the size of the gift that determined its value. It was the sacrifice the person is making in order to give it. And then the process, the Scripture gives you the process. Decide in your heart. Don't give reluctantly. Actually says don't give under compulsion. I should have put that one in there. God loves a cheerful giver. Go through the process, decide in your heart. What's God saying to you? Our prayer as a community is simple. I want you to seek first the Kingdom of God in all of the areas of your life, but that includes your money because God wants your heart. So I can't shy away from talking about these subjects because that would be remiss of me as your leader. God wants your heart. Jesus talked about money more than any other topic because it's a wrestle. But we should be a church that gives with generosity and sacrifice. We should give to God first. Because seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and we love there. But then it talks about that God, if He's able to multiply the seed, He's able to bless the person that gave it. He's able to bless you. Because God will pour in more when He knows that you are a vessel that is using it for His glory. Amen. You know, for those people there that may feel that their gift isn't very valuable, I want you to always remember the five loaves and two fish. You give what you have, put it in the hands of Jesus and He will multiply it and use it for His will as He needs. So church, family, as we go home in the economy of the kingdom, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the giftings that God has put on your life to serve Him? And what are you doing with your money? I don't need to know. But know that God is interested in your heart. And God wants you to store treasures in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to pray in a little minute, but I just want to... Actually, I'll pray now. I'll do this in a minute. Why don't you put your hand out in front of you? Father, today in this place, we want to thank You for Your supernatural financial provision in all of our lives. I thank You for Your goodness. I thank You that You are truly Jehovah Jireh. But Father, I pray that as we make choices, help us to never move in a spirit of religion, but always in a spirit of relationship. We give because we love You. We give because we want to honour You first. 
We give because we believe it is an act of faith and obedience. And we give because we want to see Your Kingdom grown and we want to play a part of it. So Father, we don't just give You our money today, we give You our lives. With our time, our talent, our resources, we give it all to You to be used for Your will and Your purpose. In Jesus' Name, Amen.